we simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked. And complete the dang fence. This bill that we will sign today is not a revolutionary bill. Cast down your bucket where you are. We come from France. And I am, you know, adamantly against illegal immigrants. They're coming in by the thousands. Just unbelievable. A wall is an immorality. Who are you rooting for? Those masters of the universe are at it again. You maniac! You blew it up! Welcome to Parsing Immigration Policy, the podcast of the Center for Immigration Studies. My name is Mark Krikorian. I'm your host and the executive director of the center. And our podcast this week is going to be a replay of a panel discussion, a live panel discussion we did this week on illegal migration through a choke point in eastern Panama called the Darien Gap. It's a jungle area with no roads, and it's called a gap because basically it's the only area in North and South America where there's literally no roads. There's no way to get through there other than on foot or horseback or something else, and that is one of the most important choke points for migration from South America, not just of South Americans, but people from overseas as well, because it's easier to get into certain countries in Central and South America and then head north. And so there's this enormous flow through the Darien Gap. And we hosted three people who have pretty extensive knowledge and experience of what's going on down there in order to shine a light on this important issue to the United States, even though it's several thousand miles south of our border. The panel was moderated by Todd Benzman, center analyst who studies national security issues, and he started off with a brief overview of the issue and of migration through the Darien Gap and why it's important to the United States. We draw attention to the Darien Gap because migrants from 150 different countries also are coming in the greatest percentages that we've seen. Uh, the way that those migrants are reaching our border is often to fly into South America and make their way to Colombia. We have a map up here that kind of shows the uh, general idea. We are looking at a large number of South Americans, such as Brazilians and Ecuadorans and the like, but we also are seeing a tremendous number of people from outside the hemisphere and also from Haiti, uh, huge numbers from Haiti and Cuba, the Caribbean, but also from places like Syria, Pakistan, uh, all the countries of the Middle East, a great many countries of Central Africa, Northwest and Northeast Africa, the Mauritanians, Senegalese, people from countries that are afflicted by terrible tribal warfare. Uh, we don't know who these people are. We talk about the Darien Gap as a route that is a diplomatic problem for the United States as much as it is a border control issue because there are three countries that are involved, Colombia, primarily Colombia, Panama, and Costa Rica. Those three countries form what we call a choke point, a bottleneck, a place where this migration could be stopped or retarded or reduced if we needed to, to or wanted to do that, if somebody were to pay attention to the, the issue here. Why should we pay attention 
two main reasons. One is national security. A lot of the countries that I just mentioned are places of terrorism concern, tribal warlordism, terrible uh, human rights problems. We don't know whether the people who are coming are perpetrators or victims. We don't know who they are at all. They drop their ID cards often at the border before they cross, and that leaves us to try to figure it out. That's a national security issue for the United States. The numbers, according to the New York Times, which actually went down there this year, are 100,000. In a normal year, you're looking at about 8,000, 7,000, 100,000 this year alone. A great many of those migrants I've interviewed, they tell me that they're coming because Joe Biden opened the border and he's nicer, and that's the reason that they're coming. And they're dying along the way as well. The next speaker is Francisco Agapi. He is mayor of a town in Panama, basically the town that is the first place you get to when you pass through and make it out of the jungle. He's also a leader in one of the indigenous groups that are down there that inhabit that area. And he is going to tell us about the impact this enormous flow of migrants traipsing right through his people's territory has had on their way of life, on their environment, and on their young people especially. The mayor will be speaking in Spanish. He has an interpreter who is a staff member for Congressman Tiffany, who's one of the other guests. Primeramente, gracias a Dios eh, por la invitación. Mesa principal y invitados. Bueno, eh, vamos a hablar sobre el problema de migración. Let's talk about the problem of immigration. Del, nosotros, de la población indígena, vivimos en la frontera Panamá y Colombia. My population, the Indian population, we live in the border between Colombia and Panama. Eh, del tema de la migración, de repente no soy la persona indicada para hablar este tema, sin embargo, hay un problema que ustedes lo conocen, lo saben. The issue of immigration, maybe I'm not the right person to speak about it, but there is an issue that you guys are probably aware of. Ese es un tema de todo el mundo en Panamá, el problema de migración que se está dando último año, en los últimos años. It's an immigration issue that has uh, showed up in Panama, but it, it's worldwide and it has been pretty prevalent in the last few years. Sobre todo estos últimos meses de este año ha sido terrible el problema. Especially uh, in the last few months, it's been a terrible problem for us. El problema allí es que tenemos una comunidad llamado, llamado Bajo Chiquito, una comunidad pequeña de 200 o 300 habitantes. Y allí es el punto de llegadas y los inmigrantes, hay más inmigrantes que la misma población. That is the first port of entry when they come out of the Darien Gap and there are more migrants and there are people that live in Bajo Chiquito. Sí, entonces, el, ¿cuáles son los problemas? Ahí tenemos problemas, prácticamente las tiendas no abatecen de alimento a la población. One of the first problems that we have is that our stores, we can't keep the resources full 
so that we can feed our own people because of all the migrants that are coming through the gap. Es la alimentación agrícolas igual son problemas. Our agricultural fields is also a problem. Porque mi gente o la población se está dedicando al transportar los migrantes y no se está dedicando a la agricultura. The problem with uh, the agriculture is that our people are now focused on transporting the migrants out of Bajo Chiquito instead of focusing on uh, their agrarian lifestyle that they had prior to this. Encima de eso, problemas juveniles, de ahí problemas de robo, problemas violencia, y la juventud se está dedicando a eso. We have juvenile problems, we've got a lot of violence, we have a lot of robberies, Problemas, bueno, todos saben, porque tienen la plata, ahora el problema del alcoholismo. And now, because they have a lot of money from these migrants, then we have alcohol, alcoholism also becoming a problem amongst our youth. Entonces, este, esa es la parte del problema. Hay problemas, esos problemas sociales, hay otros problemas ambientales. Those are social problems. We also have environmental problems. Tenemos ahora la contaminación del río. Mi población vive a la orilla del río. We also have the, the problem with our rivers. My people live along the river and it's contaminated. Sí, lo que es basura, todos los baños te lo tiran, se yeah. hacen en ríos. We have trash, we have feces. Encima de eso, otro problema es que cuando los emigrantes, los emigrantes vienen, para cruzar el río, cuando el río está crecido, se ahogan, se mueren y se quedan allí. There's also a problem where when the migrants have to cross the river to come into Bajo Chiquito, if the river has grown, many of them drown, uh, get swept away by the river, and they, they just, they remain in the river. Sí, entonces, este, a mí me toca ir a conversar con la comunidad, qué vamos a hacer, porque es un problema no solo mío, sino un problema de todos. Then I have to go and address the community and figure out how we're going to solve this problem because it's not just my problem, it's everybody's problem in that community. Sí, entonces, bueno, aquí estamos para conversar. Gracias. So here we are so we can discuss this. Thank you. The next speaker is Michael Yon, who's a journalist and photographer, a war correspondent who has reported from all over the world, and he spent a significant amount of time down in Panama, uh, in the Darien Gap area of eastern Panama, where it borders on Colombia, studying the flows of these people, where they're going specifically. He's uh, met with the uh, Border Patrol, the Panamanian Border Patrol, and has a lot of very important insights, not just in what's going on in eastern Panama, but putting it in context for migration flows elsewhere in the world that he's also studied pretty extensively. I'm Michael Yan, I'm a war correspondent. My year started off here in Washington, D.C. at the Capitol attack, whatever you want to call it, and uh, did not go inside, but that was quite interesting. Uh, and then was here for the inauguration and then flew straight to the border. So flew straight to within 24 hours. I was at the El Paso border with Mexico and watching the immediate influx of migrants after the inauguration the Border Patrol was immediately being overwhelmed within the first week. And so I was down in Mexico and all across the border on the southern part, and then finally flew down to Colombia. 
because Columbia, we knew that the Darien Gap flow was going to increase. So I flew down there with Chuck Holton and Masako here. And we flew down to Columbia because Columbia is where they gather to go through the Darien Gap. And as you know, Darien Gap is a critical funnel point. Now, how do they get to South America? And why do they go to South America? They go to South America because many of the people that want to come in cannot get visas to start off in a place like Mexico. So they start in Suriname or they start in Brazil, or they start in Ecuador. So those are the three countries they start in. A lot of them end up in places like Chile, where they get, they live there for years. A lot of these ID cards, for instance, we pick up off the ground before they come into the United States. They, they throw them down on the ground. So they'll, they'll, they'll come to South America, and we're talking people from at least 100 countries. Like I've met people from Nepal and India and one guy, I was out in the jungle on the Columbia side in, in, the, in the Darien Gap, and he looked like a Sikh up on the mountain. I said, Sikh man, you know, and he goes, how did you know? And I said, well, I've been to Punjab because I've been to most, many of the countries where they're from. I've spent years in Asia and around the world. And I said, how did you get here? And he came through Netherlands and, oh, planes, trains, and automobiles, and now he's out in the jungle waiting for other Sikh friends. And he said he was going to California if he makes it. So that was on the Colombia side. So they filter in many of the, especially Haitians and Cubans represent maybe 50% of the people coming through the Darien Gap. And many of those go straight to Suriname. And then they often filter through Chile. Many of the Haitians have lived in Chile for years, as you can see from their ID cards and the many interviews that we've done. And then they finally go to a place called Nacocli. And uh, we went to Nacocli and they board boats, which we did too, and they go here. Copragana. And from here, some of them will take boats and go across. Not very many, very few. Most go across right here. And this is very remote. There's a, more than 60 miles of no roads. That's why they call it the Gap, right? The Darien Gap. This is the Darien Isthmus, the Isthmus of Panama. So it's called the Gap because there's no roads for more than 60 miles. This is some of the roughest jungle on Earth. It's very biologically active, to put it lightly. That's why we have a screwworm facility up here which is, this is where we stopped screwworm. If you know what screwworms are, if you're, in, if you're in agriculture and cattle and that sort of thing, it's a really big deal for us to stop the screwworms right here, right? So we've got a, a very expensive program that drops flies down here that have been irradiated and are sterile that try to stop the screwworms. So this is a, a channel point for more than just migrants. It's also a biological choke point. Down here, we see CCP, or let's see, PRC, uh, uh, China is... Uh, is denuding the jungle. You see giant trees that they're cutting down and yellow fever, the whole works is out there. So bottom line is huge amounts of people, maybe 100,000 this year, come through here. They go through three, the continental divide, by the way, goes right through. So the continental divide, of course, starts way up north of, of us now and uh, or, you know, goes up uh, what's well, continental divide. And so, as you know, the continental divide is where all the water from one side goes to one ocean and the other side goes to the Pacific, right? And so they crossed these three little mountains up here, finally the Continental Divide, and the third mountain is called the Montaña de la Muerta, the Mountain of Death, and that's where a lot of them die. They fall or they get lost. Uh, there's many people that are stuck out there. They're stuck right now. There's always people stuck out there because they can't go any further. They get hurt or whatever. And uh, for instance, uh, one man, I call him 22 days, his Cuban wife had left him as soon as Biden became president. She struck off for America, and he followed her from Ecuador, and he's stuck out there. He got left behind, and she left him behind. She made it to Texas, by the way, and uh, left him. 
And he was out there dying in the jungle. And he said, you know, the mosquitoes were so bad, he was using his wife's perfume to, you know, keep them off. And I was like, this is like out of a movie. He's like, yes, yes, very bad movie. The black birds were landing around me, you know, and my wife, she left me in the jungle. And, uh, you know, the big black birds, you know, the ones that eat the flesh. And I said, yeah, <laughs> there's more vultures out there than I've seen in anywhere in the world. And I guess, I mean, there's a lot of people die out there. We think about 10% of the people that go through die. There's no way for us to know the true numbers because we don't know how many leave Nacocli and we don't know how many actually come out through Bajo Chiquito. But after being down there for months and interviewing just tons of people, hundreds, uh, I'm gonna guess 10% die out there. And if 100,000 people came through this year, that's 10,000 people. So you can imagine how much those vultures have to eat. And I'm not sure if that's why the vultures are there, but it's a strange amount of vultures. But anyway, so you got a lot of people that get lost out there. They finally come through Bajo Chiquito. They, they emerge out here where I met Francisco. Uh, actually, I met Francisco through uh, missionaries. Anytime I go to a place like this, I look for the missionaries. That's why we call them Christians in Action CIA. They know everything. And <laughs> missionaries introduced me to Francisco. And so I spent a lot of time with Francisco rolling around many jungles. I was out in about 20 uh, villages, Embara villages. Those are his people. So they, uh, in, and I was out in about 10 with, with Francisco. And Francisco took us all out to Bajo Chiquito. I've been out there six times. And so, but I spent about four months out here. And so now his people, Francisco's people, are actually the ones You've heard about the Indians out there that are raping and murdering the, mm -hmm. the people that come through. So the, the, the causes of death for the people that come through are usually the mountain of death, or they get lost, waterborne illnesses, something else might hit them, yellow fever out there, uh, anything. There's all kinds of problems, and also floods. When they finally get to the river, their bodies come washing down and their tents wrapped up. I mean, flash floods are pretty intense there. And... Francisco's people, Embra people are, so when you hear about the Indians raping and robbing, that's what Francisco is trying to stop because they have so many people coming through. Some of his uh, Embra people are out there literally on horsebacks like Comanches and raping and robbing. And he wants to stop this, but it's very difficult to do, right? And so now the Panamanian authorities will tell you they can't close down the migration route, which is completely false because during the pandemic, they shut it off. It was finished, right? I mean, there was not even a drop coming through during the pandemic. Panama locked down like North Korea for the pandemic, right? So we know that they can shut it off, period. But interestingly, even our serious people don't know much about what's going on in Panama Canal. For instance, I was telling Dave Petraeus about it. I said, I'm down in Darien. And, uh, and he said, what are you down there for? You should be up in Mexico or the Northern Triangle. I said, well, you know, if I'm here, <laughs> it's... There's a reason why I'm here. I don't waste my time. And uh, this is a, a serious, for intelligence and every other reason in the world, this is where we need to focus assets. We can shut off probably 20% of the people coming through right here. And also, the people that are going to come in and blow up a mall, they're more likely to come through here than they are through the Northern Triangle, right? This is where the people are coming in from Yemen. This is where people come in from many Pakistanis and that sort of thing. I meet Bangladeshis out there. Uh, so this is it. This is, this is your choke point. And there's many ways to track them. For instance, they come through Bajo Chiquito, which is Francisco's people, right? This is very easy to shut off. 
And so that's why I've been down there. And the final speaker is Congressman Tom Tiffany. He's a Republican of Wisconsin. And he actually went to the Darien Gap on his own dime without telling anybody, took a few staff members and traveled there, met with Michael Yawn and Mayor Agape and others to see firsthand what was going on down there because of the consequences it has for the U.S. border. So on January 20th, the Biden administration unleashed a humanitarian and national security debacle like we haven't seen in a long, long time. And it all traces back to January 20th. Uh, with the end of Remain in Mexico, sending a very clear message across the world that anybody that wants to come to the United States can come to the United States, and we basically have a borderless United States at this point, in particular on the southern border. The reason I went down to Panama, I had went to the Rio Grande in early April, saw what was happening there. The Border Patrol said, you really should look deeper than this, where many of these people are coming from. And I really got to thinking about that. And my staff said, hey, uh, what do you think of taking a vacation down to Panama? I've always wanted to go to Panama on vacation. <laughs> and uh, took them up on it. And uh, we were fortunate to get together with these folks to my left to be able to go down there and really see what's happening. And by the way, the gentleman interpreting over here on our far left, that's Carlos Getz. He's on my staff. And uh, thank the Lord we had him down there in Panama. He was. Um, um, a very valuable member of our team, right, Michael? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, when you said you had a, a retired Marine officer, infantry, was Iraq, Afghanistan veteran, I was like, oh, <laughs> 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 it was perfect. So it was great. But I, I, I want to thank Francisco for hosting us down there. Thank you very much. And it was a great tour that we went on. So we flew into Panama City and went down to the Gap with Michael, with Francisco, and then with some of my staff and others. And the first thing that I noticed when we got to the village of Bajo Chiquito, uh, the morning that we took off, we got in Paraguayas, I think is how they pronounce yeah, it. Paraguayas. Paraguayas. And we um, went up the river to the village of Bajo Chiquito. The first thing that I noticed when we got to the village of Bajo Chiquito and we got out of the Paraguayas, was the smell. And we went in and we met with the village leaders there as well as having Francisco along with us. And these people talked about how, you know, they bathe a couple times a day in the river. We heard Francisco allude to that earlier. But their village is overrun at this point, and it was not that way before. And you can tell these people are very clean people. The reason that we smelled the stench that we did is because of the unleashing of the migrants that the Biden administration caused with their order on January 20th. And they verified that for us. When we sat down and had a good meeting with the local villagers, including the head of the village, they shared the story of how um, at times, they have like a thousand people a night that will be going through that village. So the village of Bajo Chiquito, right off from the Darien Gap, it is the first place where people will come out of the gap or, or through the jungle and then continue on down. So there is as many as a thousand migrants that were going through there a night and just simply overwhelming the village. And you heard from Francisco earlier some of the harm that is being done as a result of all those people that are coming through.
and terribly unfortunate. The other thing that I would comment about as we go forward here, and we're going to take some questions, is your government, those of you that are citizens of the United States of America, is basically complicit in the biggest human trafficking operation that's gone on, I believe, in the history of the world. But there's others that are complicit in it also. And I, need, I think they need to be thoroughly investigated, including OIM or IOM, however they go, the Organization for International Migration, which is a United Nations outfit. I think there needs to be a thorough, thorough review of what their activities are. And I've also been urging when I do local news interviews is that those people who are involved with faith-based organizations, including Catholic Charities, Lutheran Social Services, the Jewish organizations, you need to go back and talk to them and ask them uh, what is going on here and how they are involved, because they are part of the chain at this point when you do the resettlement, because I was also very active in talking about what happened at Fort McCoy and the other forts where the Afghan evacuees came through. IOM is right there at this moment working in those forts to resettle people across our country. And I believe that they are heavily incentivized with the amount of money that they make to make this happen. And is it in the interest of the American people that they are doing this? This is a question we need to get to the bottom of. And finally, before I turn it back to Todd here, while this is tr clearly a humanitarian crisis, when we were in Bajo Chiquito, they talked about babies washing down the river. And, you know, just a humanitarian crisis of, of epic proportions. But for us in Congress, I believe our number one concern should be national security. Because it is clear with open borders the way they are, and the Border Patrol shares the stories with us all the time. We heard the story of the couple Yemenis that came in earlier uh, in the country that had terror ties. You know there are people that have terrorist ties that are coming into our country. And the Biden administration is doing very little, if anything, to stem that flow. There was also a Q&A session that we're not including here in the podcast, but you can see the entire program, a little more than an hour, if you go to our website, cis.org, for the page for this podcast. We have the entire program. We have its video of it as well as the audio, and also a map of that area that can help sort of orient people so you know what the speakers are talking about. That's it for this episode of Parsing Immigration Policy. This is Mark Krikorian signing off. Thank you.